AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It is the brain that controls the mind. It is the mind that controls the body. And for so long, we've left the brain out of the equation. And now it's time that we bring it back in. Understand that there's always a trade here. So if you're going to rip 750 shots a day, what are the things that can happen physically, mentally, and emotionally? And understand that those three buckets always exist. And are we still willing to play that game? This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore with the Reform Sports Project podcast. As we continue our spotlight on mental health during Mental Health Awareness Month, I'm joined by Daniel Gallucci, the co-founder and chief innovation officer of Neuroscene, an AI-based technology company that supports mental performance and wellness. Daniel is a former professional soccer player, trained functional neurologist, osteopath, and brain researcher who has worked with all ranges of athletes from elite professionals to youth club participants. Daniel and I discuss the brain's role in sports and the long-term effects of stress and resiliency. I mean, I say this every time, but I'm freaking fired up. I'm so fired up. I get to connect with some of the best people in sport, out of sport. Doctors, writers, this is just, uh, I'm so fired up, but I have an, another amazing guest. We were connected, you know, through Reform Sports Project and Peter Carlisle, a partner over at Octagon. So super excited to have him. He's the chief innovative officer at Neuroscene, been in the space of mental health and mental performance and working on the brain for nearly 20 years. Super pumped to have him, Daniel Gallucci. Gallucci, good to have you on. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Dan. Tell us a little bit about Neurocene. Tell us a little about your story. I know you're also a brain cancer survivor. What kind of brought you to this point now where you're, you know, you're a co-founder of this amazing company on the front line doing amazing work? Just give us a, a little bit of feedback on where you're at and how you got there. Sure. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for letting me be on today. It's truly an honor. When I found out what you guys were doing, I was like, man, this is, 
exactly the stuff that I'm so passionate about and something that I wanted to be, you know, able to try and help sort of this cause, which is so necessary. And through, obviously, our mutual friend Peter at Octagon, you know, it, it's just he's an amazing person that has opened my eyes up to so many different things and this being one of them. So, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because the way Neuroscene started, uh, I co-founded a couple years ago now, pre-COVID, and it was really just the culmination of, you know, almost 20 years or so of being on the front lines, starting kind of as an exercise physiologist and as a scientist that morphed into like an osteopath that morphed into then the world of clinical neuroscience the last few years as a functional neurologist and then at the same time working with even like high resolution like super cool brain imaging that's still really only in the realms of research right now but we have this amazing project um through queen's university in kingston and a doctor out of there dr cook that we could do some amazing stuff with but it started actually back before that because i was like one of these kids that wanted to be a professional athlete um, I was lucky enough as a youngster, 18, 19 years of age, to go over to Hungary and play soccer there. And then from Hungary, I was basically just like a reserve kid that, you know, got moved around from place to place, uh, from Hungary to France to Germany, then back into the U.S., which is actually where then I ended up going to school. But, you know, the foundation for this kind of goes back to then where, and I, I don't know, I don't know what the baseball equivalent would be, but... You know, as an 18, 19-year-old playing in Canada, then showing up on a professional contract in Hungary where it's like real men fighting literally for jobs in practice on a daily basis with guys from literally all over the world, uh, you just kind of get thrown into that scenario. And I remember, like, the level of anxiety that I had was just, it was insane because we would play this little game you'd call Rondo, like almost like a monkey in the middle game, where you sometimes see if anybody's ever watching soccer highlights. And um, it's like keep away. You just have a circle of guys and you're passing the ball as quickly as you can and moving and there's a guy in the middle trying to get the ball. And this game with those pros at that level, and I would go in there and I'd make a mistake here or there and I would just, guys would yell at me in other languages, coaches would yell. And it created such an anxiety that over a couple months, like I felt like I didn't even want to go to practice. Like I just could not be put in an environment where I felt like I was going to fail. And that just had always stuck in my mind. And then while my career didn't work out exactly as how I had wanted, I ended up in the world of sports science and just wanting to help people perform. So other athletes perform when I really couldn't do so myself. So I was really lucky. I went back to Canada, I was at the Institute of Sports Medicine with the Dr. Anthony Gallia, and we had everybody, Nick. And it wasn't because of me, I was just lucky to be in the environment. You know, we had Alex Rodriguez, there was Tiger Woods at the clinic, we had like this stable of, you know, high-level Olympic athletes, professional athletes. So I was lucky, I was able to run around to the World Series, I've been able to go to the NHL playoffs, the NFL playoffs. Yeah, I, into the Olympic Games, working with athletes, just enabling them to perform. And, and, and really, I went on a trajectory where it was, okay, what are the things that were limiting performance at that highest level? And it was a mental thing. Who were the people that at the time when it mattered most, they were able to succeed? And these weren't physical traits. These weren't physical qualities. These were mental ones. So then it led me, again, into the world of exploration, into a host of different things. And then really in the last number of years, back to the imaging side where it's like, oh, now we can put some of these professional athletes and amateur athletes and military personnel in brain scanners and we're looking at their brain in real time. 
you started to see the level of dysfunction. And it was like I knew it. I knew it theoretically. I knew it as a science person. But then when you actually saw like the wiring in these people's brains, and this was going back to now kids. We did a study with like healthy kids, you know, like one of these normal head impacts and things like that in football, in American football, accelerometers and helmets and all this sort of stuff. And then when you started to look at the healthy controls and see that, hmm, actually they don't look so healthy either. And then you start asking about sleep or you look at training volume and you look at other sorts of things and you start to say like, wow, there's this pathology here. There's these things that are just kind of waiting to happen. And then me being a clinical person, always being in a clinical environment, it's like you're now dealing with this stuff in real time. So yeah, it's like, it, it's it's been a long sort of winding road, which has now ultimately ended up to us trying to develop this technology that can help educate and help sort of like deal with some of these things from a very foundational sort of level so that we can avoid a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in the world of sport right now. So when you're talking about, you know, being around those elite performers at the highest level, the Tiger Woods and such, but also you mentioned the military aspect of it. Did you see, like, for instance, today, fast forward a little bit and you mentioned amateur. Basically, what you're saying is you're seeing brain patterns that you saw at those elite levels. That Are you seeing similar things like duress? And are you able to recognize stress in the brain um, even at younger ages compared to those elite athletes that you saw back when you were kind of first diving in? Huge, huge. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is when you look at stress, and, and that's a wonderful example, as you said, if you were just to look at stress and stress on the brain, the one thing unequivocally that we need to accept and we have to accept is that stress will create changes to the architecture of a person's brain. And that is long-term stress. Acute stress is great because acute stress, you know, I'll just like... You know, you're a gazelle that's trying to avoid being eaten by a lion. You have this acute stress response that says, okay, I'm going to get out of Dodge so that I can stay alive. That's great. That's what stress was designed for. But when you look at it today, the transition into this very contemporary lifestyle and this transition into, oh, okay, we're playing sport 40 hours a week and we're doing this and we're doing all this stuff, you know, these lifestyle changes have been way too rapid for the human brain to be able to catch up and process. So stress, pathology arises and you can literally see it there. So there's an area of the brain called the amygdala, which is this amazing sort of fear and nexus. And you will see that thing light up like crazy when people are under high levels of stress. It's so wild to see is that even things like adverse childhood experiences, so what you call ACEs, like childhood trauma, even things like the in utero scenario that the mother was in during pregnancy. It's like, these are things that can literally change the structure of a person's brain 20 years later. So it's like, we need to understand these things can have an effect, right? And when we start to do that, we start to say, okay, well, this isn't just a behavioral problem. This is now something that needs to be targeted biologically. Well, then how do we deal with it? But it starts with first understanding that we need to be able to look at the biological considerations for these problems here and understand that these are things that are happening. And it doesn't mean we need to stick everybody in a scanner. It just means that, okay, well, if I see these sorts of issues or if I ask these questions and I get this sort of response, then I can almost make the assumption that this is then as a default, as a proxy, what would be happening at the brain level. Well, then how do I retarget the brain? So as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, we'll have a lot of sports parents and coaches and even athletes that will listen to this. And my first thought is, and if I'm looking at this, you know, as a parent myself and coach and such, I think about it. Well, it's it's very easy for me. And I'm going to use the analogy for baseball. Like, you know, there are 
uh, proven physical drills and training methodologies that you could do to develop arm strength, for instance, in baseball, right? To get faster. There are certain things that you could do and you can see it, right? Which is easier, I believe, than dealing with something that we can't see, right? You're talking about mental health, mental performance and things in the brain. Well, I can't look at that, but I can look at, well, so-and-so throws, you know, 75 miles per hour and their body is, you know, puberty or not. Um, let's, let's look at kids who have been in this situation before and how they projected out or what are things that they did over the short and long term to increase their velocity to 80 or 85, whatever the numbers are. What are ways that you can take the data that you collect, you know, through looking at brain patterns and such that you're talking about and, and work on that trauma or work on those things that kids are, let's talk about younger kids are feeling, how do you go about putting together, for instance, a training program to, to assist with their development? Yeah, man. You know, it's 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 a wonderful question, and I, I wish I could come at it with sort of all the <laughs> the right answers. I, I could give you some ideas of, of some directions, and I can also give you some ideas of some internal data that is also kind of replicating a lot of the data I've seen over the last few years. So if we were using stress, again, sort of as, as the example and saying, okay, well, then what are the things that I need to do? How do I give the kid the tools? to be able to then do just like you would in terms of, okay, well, if he's got to do this type of rotator cuff exercises and these shoulder drills and these lat drills and these other sorts of drills, it's like, okay, you put that program together. The same thing needs to be done from a brain perspective. And one of the things using our app where we've got people on this platform and we're doing things like monitoring stress on a weekly basis, like self-reported levels of stress. And you start looking at this One of the things that we've unequivocally, and again, I'm not saying this is going to be the case for everybody, but now, you know, we're approaching a few thousand people that we've done this with. There's a very interesting, statistically significant correlation between stress and sleep. So again, one of the things that we have to do is realize, okay, regardless of how this person has gotten to this position, this is the cards that now we've been dealt. And just by understanding, because again, when you say, okay, well, we're stressed and what do we need to do? It's very easy to just pick any different thing. And, you know, there's a ton of interventions out there, and they're all very well intentioned. But do we have data behind them? And what does that actual data say? And I think when you look at just some of the existing science that's out there in research, and again, we can talk about why some of that's valuable and why a lot of it's not valuable, you see these patterns emerge. It's like, that's where I got to go first. So, for example, I work with a group, and one of the best soccer academies in the country in Canada, Dutch Connections. And if we're doing some online things with the kids or some stuff out on the field or whatever the case may be, when we see certain levels of stress, we understand that we need to prioritize sleep. And that connection is there. So how do we do it? Okay, then we're going to do a tech disconnect. So okay, kids after practice, bam, no phone, then this or that. We got to understand that what are the strategies? And a lot of them at the beginning revolves around sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene, let's fix sleep hygiene first, which again, will help with a lot of the brain tissue and all that sort of stuff. Then two, exercise. But exercise has got to be different than the kid just going out and throwing 150 pitches today. Exercise at like a slow, steady state, which can just give you a continuous flow of oxygen to the brain and that we know can actually grow new neurons around the area that is like that fear and nexus of anxiety. So exercise can actually get that area to calm down And then other areas like your prefrontal cortex or your hippocampus, things that kids need for learning and growth and development. Like you can actually increase the growth of neurons in those areas. And that's just through diverse athletic development. 
And I sometimes have to wrap it that way because it's like, oh, okay, well, my kid's a baseball player. You want him to go out and do aerobic exercise. You know, he runs to first base. And you're like, no, no, no. We need to start looking at this from a brain lens first where it's like, these are the reasons that we're doing this. And I'm not saying, again, you need to do that every day. Like, it can be programmed accordingly. But again, we need to start looking at these things through this lens because now we have the ability to do so that says, okay, it is the brain that controls the mind. It is the mind that controls the body. And for so long, we've left the brain out of the equation. And now it's time that we bring it back in. When Daniel and I return, we discuss the fear of missing out and how to train the brain like a muscle. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome back. Where we left off, Daniel and I were about to discuss parental FOMO and how that is often the driver of the youth sports ecosystem. So I'm listening to you and I know that you're a parent and you said you have a six and a half year old and you're starting to get a little glimpse of youth sports. Well, I can tell you, fast forward six more years and it's a little bit more intense to say the least. Oh, Uh, I bet. And you're bringing up sleep and and I can, this is the example I can use in real world because I see it every day. It's like, you know, kids will play rec baseball and I'm using baseball, you know, put any sport in there. They'll play rec baseball growing up and then they start with a travel team as well. So now they're playing on two teams and then they get to middle school. And I see this right here where I live in Wilmington, North Carolina. They get to middle school and now they're playing for the middle school team. So all at the same time, and I mean the same dang season, spring, they're playing a recreation baseball team, they're playing on a travel baseball team, and they're playing on a middle school baseball team. So they're bouncing from practice. And, and oh, let's not forget, they're also students, right? So yeah. a lot of times, and a lot of people will hear this and say, oh, that's my life. They're running around. They're, they're feeding in the car. Everything is a rush, rush, rush. Get home at 10 o'clock and let's eat real quick and then go to bed. So sleep, 
I feel like it's put by the wayside. And I will tell you, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but I can tell you from some folks that I know intimately is that it becomes one of those deals where if we're not doing that, we feel like our kids getting left behind and, and parents are well-intended. And a lot of times they're getting pressured, you know, to feel like I need to keep up. How do they manage that fear of missing out? You know, it's hard. Like, am, am I is my kid going to miss out because I'm concerned about his brain function? You know, I, this sounds crazy to say, but it's like, I know, no, yeah. How do you manage to that fear of missing out? Because that is real, and I believe it many times. It's one of the main drivers of this whole youth sports ecosystem. You couldn't have said it better, and I think it's ubiquitous, right? I think up here is no different, whether it's soccer, hockey, primarily hockey, because, again, I'm on the East Coast up here in Canada. But you see this, and I was having this discussion the other day with, you know, <laughs> and again, well-intentioned for sure, but this kid's got to get up and take, 250 shots on an empty net before school, before he has breakfast, then he has to do the same thing when he gets home from school, and then he has to do the same thing after practice and training. So the kid has to rip 750 shots a day. And you're like, again, probably in and around the same age, 12, maybe 13 years of age or so the kid. And again, everything at that point is sacrifice. So sleep, well-being, other sort of physical development, social time with other kids, everything is put to the wayside for the development of this skill set. And I think it really becomes important to understand, and I'll give you another example of it, but there is no time in biology, and again, we are biological beings, you know, so biology has certain basic fundamentals that cannot be compromised. And the thing to understand with something like sleep or volume or something like travel time is that there's always a trade. There is nothing that happens in biology without something else happening on the back end. And again, I'm not saying, okay, well, that means you have to do this or you have to do that. But I think by at least educating and arming people with the information to say, are these the sacrifices that you're willing to make at this moment in time? So, and again, whether the answer is then yes or no, and sometimes that answer is yes, it's fine. But then you've at least made an educated decision to then go down this route. The problem is coming from clinic, and I promise you, I see this every week, is that oftentimes parents are unaware. So it's like they don't understand the impact that lack of sleep can have. They don't understand when the child is struggling a little bit at school and things along those lines. Oh, okay, well, you know, it's so easy to just forget about it. The sheer act of just informing in a way that says, okay, understand that there's always a trade here. So if you're going to rip 750 shots a day, what are the things that can happen physically, mentally, and emotionally? And understand that those three buckets always exist, and are we still willing to play that game? And I know it's hard because it's, it's not an easy sort of discussion to have, but I think it starts with the simple premise of education. So again, one of the things when we do like a preseason talk with the parents of this Dutch Connections Football Academy is we start to make these things abundantly clear. You know, it's not necessary that the kid has to get up and dribble around the trees at 6 a.m. If the kid needs to then be at school, the kid needs to eat breakfast, the kid needs to do these things. And then the kid's still going to be at practice for a couple hours later. It's like, how do we really understand? But you're right, it's difficult because there's a FOMO sort of thing where it's like, yeah, but Johnny across the street is doing it. And one point that I would like to make would be, I have been lucky enough to see the brain's of some of the world's best athletes across the board. And those athletes, 
that many of these parents are trying to then get their kids towards. Oh, I, or, or maybe it's just that scholarship, or maybe it's just this, or maybe it's just that. What makes it so spectacular when you look at it from the brain perspective, it's not like, oh, well, they've got the best motor output here, or they've got the best part of their brain that reflects like how great that rotator cuff is on the right throwing arm. What makes brains great is their efficiency. And if you've got way too much volume in there, if you've got not enough rest in there, if you've got way too much inflammation in there, if you've got way too much mental stress, psychological stress, physical stress in there, the last thing that it looks is efficient. It is anything but efficient. And that can even be in quote unquote healthies. So again, it comes to the understanding of, okay, let's give you the fundamentals to succeed from a brain perspective. That will help from a mind perspective. That will help from a body perspective as well. What I want to ask you, Daniel, is um, you're seeing headlines of kids taking their lives. And, you know, we're, we're seeing it here recently. And I know it's the most, it's horrible, right? I mean, I'm a parent. doesn't matter if you're yeah. a parent or not. It's just, it's so horrible. And you're seeing top level college athletes that are taking their yeah. lives. You know, there are people talking more. You're having pro athletes talk about mental health, mental wellness, and all of these things. Is there a direct correlation between, you know, the stress that's coming about or that you have found in this whole press for eliteness, right? What, I don't even know if that's the right word, but this press to keep up this FOMO. Do you think that that's tied to, you know, more of these kids, you know, taking their own lives? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's obviously such a tragic question. It's something that, you know, I think about daily. I've, I've unfortunately had this happen in clinics. So I've, you know, it's hard to say sometimes, but I failed tremendously as a clinician to a, a lot of people, and it's difficult at times. And, you know, the reality of it is there's a correlation there for sure. It's tough to then, on an individual basis, create some sort of, well, did it cause? Did it cause is another thing. But it's almost like, for me, I don't even care about the semantics of whether or not people are going to say cause or, or correlation. You You see this relationship there more than enough times and again it boils down to so many things because behavior is 100% contextual and that context of behavior can be based on something that happened early that morning a few seconds before whatever event something that had happened days before months before as you know like this this goes back to even again as I was saying not only in utero but this can go back to ancestors we just again we need to understand the context that there are things that can shape the way the brain is affected and we need to understand that. So yes, there's a lot of that pattern that you will see there, but we need to understand that there are so many things at play that lead to that moment in time. So for me, it's like, well, then how do we try and ensure that the brain is healthy? How do we try and ensure that there's a proper social environment around these people? How do we try and ensure that they, again, when it comes to stress, it's like, do they have the ability to meet these challenges? And that's another part of it that we need to be honest with is what is the level of resiliency? So what is the capability of this person to be able to handle these things? And this is, again, this isn't a static thing that you can just ask at one moment. This changes throughout time. So we need to be able to get a better grip on the dynamicness of this thing moving forward. And as best we can go back to those basic principles of how we can help and then how do we support along the way so of course we need to be able to have resources to be able to do cognitive behavioral therapy we need to have resources to be able to reduce stigma and we need to do all those sorts of things but that stuff becomes even more effective 
when you can set up the brain correctly to be able to handle the sort of stress that is being put on it, good or bad, right? What matters is what is stress for you. And then how do I deal with it, right? So how do you get that toolbox? So just like you can, you do things in moderation, um, for instance, you know, there's a big, obviously I say push, but there are boundaries of throwing the amount of pitches a kid should throw at certain ages, right? Like there's certain amount of boundaries or certain preventative things you can do to increase the likelihood of that arm staying healthier for a longer period of time. So in essence, is it kind of like you're saying there are ways to put together exercises or formulas or, you know, preventative things to help because the brain's a muscle, right? I feel like it's it's something that, that I yeah. don't know much about, but like there are ways to strengthen it. There are ways to condition it. There are ways to put things in play to prevent or at least reduce the likelihood of, of certain types of, you know, stress or whatever. Like we have to almost be just as much at the forefront of being aware that the brain's a muscle, just like your biceps a muscle, just like your legs are muscles. All those, is that kind of what you're saying? And there are ways to, to kind of work on that? You're 100% right. The brain is amazingly plastic, and this goes both ways. So it's like we need to understand that it can be plastic in a negative way. So this is where we see all these changes that are happening in a negative way to the brain. But the beauty and the most amazing thing is that the brain itself is resilient. That makes us resilient. And we still have the capability to change. It's hard. It can happen. So I had this quote written literally on on my whiteboard in clinic, which was from the poet Robert Frost. And the quote was, change can happen, although it is somewhere between difficult and impossible. My job as a clinician is to lay out the expectations or as a medical person is to be able to say, what are the expectations? I'm lying to you if I'm going to say, Nick, you know what? You just do this five minutes of breathing and you know, you're good to go. It's like, I'm lying to you. I've mismanaged your expectations. So from a stress perspective, it's either like, okay, if you did handle it, well, the stress probably wasn't that bad to begin with. So now you've got a false sense of self and everything around you and this inflated sense of ego. If you couldn't handle it, which meant that the stressor was actually moderate to severe, now you've got a sense of failure because your expectations weren't managed correctly. You failed yourself, your kids, everybody around you. And it's like, no, 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 no. We need to lay the foundation here. We've evolved to be social creatures. Keep kids socially engaged. We've evolved to move. Keep kids moving. But this movement has to be globally dictated. It can't just be super specific to one movement pattern. The brain solves problems through diversity. And diverse athletic development is the same thing. Because then it nourishes all areas of the brain in different ways. And we can discuss that offline or another day. So it's like, these are things that, you know, it doesn't have to always be so complex. It's like, the brain, because it's super greedy, needs a massive amount of energy, proper nutrition, you know, understanding sleep, getting kids to move, keeping socially engaged. A lot of those are just low-hanging fruit, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure those things out. It's how we've evolved, and we start there. It doesn't sound super sport-specific or anything, but those are the fundamentals to how the brain is evolved. It's the fundamentals to how the brain works. We give it those basic fundamentals, and it can do wonderful things, especially at young ages where it's so plastic. We can get into so much more. We're definitely going to have to dive more into the, the versatility aspect of it. It's a big component we cover here, you know, especially at young ages, sports sampling. And uh, we had we had David Epstein on, you know, author of Range and the Sports yeah, Team, where we really got into that. But Daniel Gallucci, tell us where we can find you. You know, give us a little bit real quick and, and where people can go and, and learn more about what you do and, and your work and your company, Neuroscene. 
Sure. Neuroscene, neuroscene.com is out there in the World Wide Web. We have an app in the App Store, Neuro, N-U-R-O. You're going to see we're actually making it. Uh, we released just the first version uh, a couple months ago, so we're still kind of testing it out. And our sport-specific version is going to be releasing relatively soon. And then Twitter, Daniel Gallucci, I think it's NeuroGaffer, which is coach. So, yeah, and, uh, and I, think that's a, I think that's about it. But, yeah, I totally appreciate the chance of being able to chat today, Nick. Oh, my God, Daniel, I appreciate your work. I appreciate your time. You're a freaking stud, and I can't wait to dive in more with you, man. And uh, I just thank you so much for your time, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you, and, uh, yeah, look forward to chatting again soon. That's Daniel Gallucci, co-founder and chief innovation officer of Neuroscene. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.